<clears throat> Please turn to Genesis chapter 37. So this chapter begins the the last part of Genesis, and it's actually a, a large part of Genesis. It's the generations of Jacob. This this is the last fourteen chapters of Genesis. In verse two it says in the New King James, This is the history of Jacob. Then the focus of course is going to be on Joseph. Chapter thirty eight goes into the life of Judah or something that Judah is involved in. But the rest of it is about Joseph. So there's about 13 chapters that cover the life of Joseph. And there's an equal amount of chapters that cover the life of Abraham. But there is more of what Joseph said recorded in the book of Genesis than of any of the other patriarchs in this book. More of Joseph's words. And we know that the scriptures don't whitewash these saints. The scriptures give us the good, the bad, the ugly, warts and all. But about Joseph, we don't we don't see any sin being mentioned uh, unless you think the beginning of, of it where he's about 17 years old. What we're going to look at right now is when he was talking about his dreams to his brothers, if he was being prideful there or or somehow in sin when he was when he was sharing these two dreams with them. But there's nothing told about his motives. So it could have been foolish naivety in, in him talking to his brothers about what the Lord was going to do in him because of the the dreams, especially when his brothers hated him so much. But that's another thing. He knew they didn't like him, but to the degree that they hated him, he didn't see that. Not even his dad saw that. And we think about Abraham. Abraham is also mentioned the most in this book, but we know that Abraham sinned in in, in how he gave a half-truth about his wife and endangered his wife's sexual purity there. But about Joseph... There's so much good that we see. There, there's so much that we can learn from him. Joseph was was a godly young man. He was, he was a, a godly and a good example throughout all of his life. And he's an example to every one of us. And Joseph is believed to be the greatest type of Christ of anyone in, in the Old Testament, for sure in the book of Genesis. So I'm going to read the chapter, all of chapter 37. And I want us to notice a key word that's in there, uh, the plural and the singular of brothers and, and brother. That word, I counted 21 times that, that's, that that word is in there. There's also a key phrase that we have in this chapter, the phrase, they hated him. It also says that they envied him and they wanted to kill him. So that's what this chapter is about. It's about Joseph and his brothers hating him. So let's read this tragedy, starting in verse 1. Now Jacob dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. This is the history of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brothers. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah and his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bad report of them to his father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. Also, he made him a tunic of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. So he said to them, please hear this dream, which I have dreamed. There we were binding sheaves in the field. Then behold, my sheaf arose and 
also stood upright, and indeed your sheaves stood all around and bowed down to my sheaf. And the brothers said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us, or shall you indeed have dominion over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers and said, Look, I have dreamed another dream, and this time the sun, the moon, and the eleven stars bow down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have dreamed? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed come to bow down to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Verse 12. Then his brothers went to feed their father's flock in Shechem, and Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I'll send you to them. So he said to him, Here I am. Then he said to him, Please go and see if it is well with your brothers, and well with the flocks, and bring word back to me. So he sent him out of the, out of the valley of Hebron, and he went to Shechem. Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, They have departed from here, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. Now when they saw him afar off, even before he came near them, they conspired against him to kill him. And they said to one another, Look, this dreamer is coming. Come, therefore, let us now kill him and cast him into some pit. And we will say, Some wild beast has devoured him. We shall see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into the pit which is in the wilderness. And do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him. Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. And they sat down to eat a meal. Then they lifted their eyes and looked, and there was a company of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels bearing spices, balm, and myrrh on their way to carry them down to Egypt. So Judah said to his brothers, What profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. Then Midianite traders passed by, so the brothers pulled Joseph up and lifted him out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty shekels of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Then Reuben returned to the pit, and indeed Joseph was not in the pit. And he tore his clothes, and he returned to his brothers and said, The lad is no more, and I, where shall I go? So they took Joseph's tunic, killed a kid of the goats, and dipped the tunic in, in the blood. Then they sent the tunic of many colors, and they brought it to their father and said, We have found this. Do you know whether it is your son's tunic or not? And he recognized it and said, It is my son's tunic. A wild beast has devoured him. Without doubt, Joseph is torn to pieces. Then, jo then Jacob tore his clothes, put sackcloth on his waist, and mourned for his son many days. And all his sons and all his daughters arose to comfort him. But he refused to be comforted, and he said, For I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. 
Thus his father wept for him. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word that you have given to us. We thank you for this that happened to Joseph that you brought to us to read and to understand and, and to learn from you. We pray that you would teach us through it. We pray that your spirit would move upon our hearts and our minds and teach us your word and teach us who you are and who we are in you, in Christ. Father, we need you. We love you. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you for his death on the cross. Please help us. Please save the lost among us that we would all worship and glorify you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So Joseph is 17 years old when this chapter begins. And from the beginning of this chapter, we see there in verse 2 that Joseph brought a bad report of his brothers to his father. Now, we don't know if what he said to his father about his brothers was was fair to them or not. But what we do know is that they did not get along with one another. Joseph did not like the behavior of his brothers. His brothers did not like Joseph. But Joseph, as I mentioned, he had a good character about him. People would have said today that he was a pretty good kid and he was easy to deal with. Look there at verse 13. We can see how easy he was for a parent to deal with there in verse 13. It says, And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers feeding the flock in Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. So he said to him, here I am. Wouldn't we all like our children to answer us that way when we tell them to do something? You tell your son, your daughter to do something. He says, here I am, ready to ready to do your will. And that was Joseph. No argument, no excuses, just ready to obey. And Joseph's brothers were bad. So that's going to cause friction in the relationship. That's going to cause friction among these brothers. But their father ruined any chance that they had of getting along. Their father's favoritism and that dreaded tunic. Verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age and also he made him a tunic of many colors. Israel loved Joseph, it says, because he was the son of his old age. It took Rachel a while before she actually had Joseph. And also he was his favorite wife's son. He loved him because of that. And he, he bought him this tunic. This tunic was a, an extravagant and expensive garment. It was like a robe or a, a large coat. The Hebrew word there uh, signifies something meaning the, ha- the hand and the foot. Meaning this, this robe had long sleeves and it reached all the way down to his feet. So for sure what we know about this Code is that Joseph couldn't do any work in it. It meant that he wasn't going to be working like his brothers. He would have been more like a manager over them rather than a co-laborer with them. We see the same Hebrew word in the scriptures also in Second Samuel chapter 13 and verse 18. And it describes it as a robe of many colors that the king's virgin daughters wore. So this was, was an, a, a fancy, expensive garment that... Joseph would have been wearing would have been something like that. A preacher said that Jacob probably would have defended his decision to put Joseph in that tunic. Remember, Reuben had lost his birthright because of his sin. Next in line would have been Simeon and and Levi, and they were murderers. So so Jacob could have been showing the brothers that this is the one that he was going to get the birthright to, separating Joseph from his brothers. 
It would have been okay for, for Jacob to give Joseph the birthright, but putting him in that tunic only made his brothers hate him even more. To them, it flaunted Jacob's favoritism to Joseph. And of course, it also would have been a huge temptation to pride for this young Joseph, 17 years old. We know the verse in 1 Timothy 3, 6 about the overseer, how it says it must not be a novice, a young person, a young convert, a young man, uh, so that he won't be puffed up with pride. So in this situation, Joseph would have really been tempted to pride by how his father treated him. Again, pointing back to his father's favoritism. Jacob's favoritism stirred up the brother's hatred. And you think about it, Jacob should have known better. Remember that Jacob's father showed favoritism to his brother Esau and Jacob's mother showed favoritism to him and he knew about the the division and the, the destruction, the deception that was in that kind of household of this kind of favoritism, people picking favorites. That's that's no fun to grow up in. And, and he did the same thing with Joseph. And he treated Joseph's brothers the same way that he was treated by his father. He should have known better. And Jacob should have known that the sons hated Joseph so much. In verse 4 it says that they, they hated him so much that they couldn't even speak peaceably to him. Uh, it, it, it was Their hatred was evident. They couldn't even talk to him in a kind way when they walked by him. There was no joy in that relationship towards Joseph. That would have been something that anyone in that household could have seen. And you think an observant and discerning father would be able to see something like that. We should We should be able to view our children's sin and we should be able to tell which ones of our children struggle in certain areas of sin more than any in other areas. And when we see that, we can offer loving confrontation to them. Confronting the sin. All that is is just identifying the sin in the child's life and, and telling them about how that's not that's not acceptable behavior. We can give good counsel and, of course, stronger discipline where that discipline needs to be meted out. When, when there's clear cases of rebellion, then there's that's where discipline needs to happen. Spank your children for clear cases of rebellion, but don't spank them for being children. And Jacob's problem was that he was a passive parent. Passive parents tend to neglect areas where they need to address with their kids' sin. And, 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 and then on top of that, they overindulge in the children that are easy to deal with. There's the favoritism. And there's a not dealing with the problems in the family that need to be dealt with. Jacob was a passive parent. Remember, remember when Dinah was abused? Jacob did nothing to, to bring justice to his daughter Dinah. So Simeon and Levi thought they had to step up and do something. And then they, they ended up murdering a lot of men, which, which wasn't justice. It was, it was revenge. It was vengeance. And it was, it was sinful. All because of Jacob's passivity. So we cannot be passive when our children face so much temptation from the world and from their own flesh. So that's how we see Jacob. He's, he, we start out this chapter with him as a passive parent. And then what about Joseph's brothers? What about Jacob's other sons? What says that they hated Joseph? Look at verse 4. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. They hated him because of their father's favoritism. Again in verse 5. Now Joseph had a dream and he told it to his brothers and they hated him even more. 
Verse 8. So they hated him even more, <coughs> excuse me, they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Joseph told two dreams to them about them bowing down to him. By the way, they were going to actually do that by the time we get to the end of the book of Genesis. But he told that to them and they hated him any, even more. There in verse 11, after hearing of the dreams that Joseph told them, it says that his brothers envied him. They envied him. <clears throat> Some Sometimes people confuse these two words, envy and jealousy, and they are very similar, they are very similar words. But many times they're used interchangeably. One good way to think about the difference of them is, is when you think about the word envy, envy can be defined as a compulsive desire for something that someone else has that doesn't belong to you. Something that doesn't belong to you. And jealousy as being threatened to lose something that actually does belong to you. Like we can envy someone for getting that raise that we thought we should have gotten or getting the job that we want. And we can be jealous of our spouse's affection or our spouse's faithfulness. Envy here is one of those hidden sins like lust or coveting. And it's dangerous because because it's hidden. And these hidden sins, because they're hidden and they can go on all the time, the person can participate in them when no one else knows that they are because it's in the mind, it's in the thoughts. It can These sins can attach themselves to people. And really be a, a part of the person and, and it can affect the people, affect them and, and, and what they do. Cain envied how the Lord accepted Abel's sacrifice and not his. So he killed Abel. King Saul envied how David gained the respect of the people and he tried to kill David. And here Joseph's brothers envied Joseph and we read in the chapter what we just read towards the end of the chapter, they planned on killing Joseph. Charles Simeon says, Envy is not excited except where the advancement or happiness of another appears within our own reach. So we should watch here how we respond in this area when we think about this sin of envy. Uh, when, when there is some kind of advancement, some kind of a su- success in someone who you know, maybe who's close to you, how do you respond, not in your words, not in your actions. If you respond there, that needs to be dealt with. But how do you respond in your thoughts? How do we respond in, in our heart? What do we think about? Are we happy when, when, when there is good for those who we are close to? Are we happy for them? Or are we thinking, man, that, that should have been me. I, I would do a better job than so-and-so. So let's be careful with this sin of envy. <clears throat> it's a hidden sin. And it can be very dangerous. And because of the love that God gives his people... This love God gives his people is directly opposed to this sin of envy. It says in 1 John chapter 3 verse 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love, he who does not love his brother abides in death. And what, what does love have to do with envy there in the, the chapter on love on, in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 verse 4? It says love does not envy. Simple. Simply put, love does not Envy. And with all of this anger and this hatred and envy that Joseph's brothers had towards him, Jacob goes and sends Joseph to go check on them. And there goes Joseph looking for his brothers in that tunic. 
And he looked for them. He went to Shechem to look for them. They, they were shepherding the flocks there in Shechem. Uh, jo- Jacob could have been concerned for them because they're in Shechem. And we know what Simeon and Levi did in Shechem, murdered all the men there. So of course, he was concerned about a possible retaliation. So he looked in Shechem. He didn't find them there. <clears throat> and then this random man shows up. Joseph didn't even go up to this random man and ask him about his brothers. The man went to Joseph. Very interesting. Look there in verse 15. It says, Now a certain man found him, and there he was wandering in the field. By the way, I was curious about that word wandering. I looked it up in in the translations that I like to study with, and they all say the same word, wandering. I'm thinking wandering today, that just means like he's just wandering around, you know, minding his own business, not doing what he was sent to do, in other words. But that word wandering, it, it... all those translations have that word, and that, that word wandering really means to go astray, to err. And when I looked at how the word was used in, in other passages, the way it looks like it's being used is, he, he was he already looked for them, and he couldn't find them, and he didn't know what else to do. So he's just wandering around like, like, a, like a person who's lost. And he's, he wants to find the brothers, but he doesn't know how, he doesn't know where they're at, they're not where they should be. So he's wandering in the field, and then let's keep reading. It says, and the man asked him, there's that, that certain man. The man asked him, saying, what are you seeking? So he said, I am seeking my brothers. Please tell me where they are feeding their flocks. And the man said, they have departed from here. I heard them say, let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them in Dothan. About this man, we're not told who this man was, where he came from, why he was there, or how he knew so much about Joseph's brothers. It says he even heard their conversation. He could have, I mean, for all I know, you know, people have said things uh, about this man. It could have been an angel. It could have been Jesus, another pre-incarnate Christ. It could have been a friend of the family who, who knew the brothers and who was close. The thing is, we're not told. Thousands of years later, reading the scriptures, we're not told who this man is. I just think it's very interesting. It shows the providence of God. And orchestrating Joseph getting to where he needed to be. It wasn't going to be very good for Joseph at that time, but he needed to get to where he needed to be. And, and the Lord was orchestrating this. But he heard their conversation. And, and without that man, Joseph wouldn't have known that he needed to go to Dothan. And he would have never found his brothers at that time when they were at the height of their anger and doing what they did. So there in Dothan, Joseph got to, Joseph got to that city, and even before he saw his brothers, his brothers saw him. And they conspired to kill him. They were planning to murder their brother. And they would have murdered him. But who stepped in to save Joseph's life? Reuben stepped in. We read there in verse 21. But Reuben heard it, and he delivered him out of their hands, and said, Let us not kill him. And Reuben said to them, Shed no blood, but cast him into this pit which is in the wilderness. And do not lay a hand on him, that he might deliver him out of their hands and bring him back to his father. So Reuben also hated Joseph, along with his brothers. But he didn't have murder in his heart like the rest of them. He didn't even have violence in his heart like the rest of them. Shed no blood, he said. He didn't want them to lay a hand on Joseph. He hated him, but he, he wasn't acting out the hatred in the same way. He actually wanted to get Joseph and bring him back to his father. He loved his father, even though he hated Joseph, even though his father 
uh, treated him harshly and favoring Joseph in the way he did. He treated the rest of his sons harshly. So he, he wanted to do what was right. And he was the oldest of the twelve, so they, they listened to him. The problem with Reuben was that he wasn't bold enough to stay there to make sure that they needed to do what they needed to do and not hurt the brother, not hurt Joseph. He wanted to do the right thing and take Joseph back to his father. But like his passive father, Jacob, Reuben didn't stay there. He left the scene of the crime. He completely left. He was nowhere there when they were roughing up the brother and throwing him in the pit and sending him to the to the Ishmaelites, and they got rid of Joseph. I thought about that quote, evil triumphs when good men do nothing. It's, it's right there. He wanted to do what was right, and he left, so he left his brother's side, and, and, and they did what they wanted to do. The brothers abused Joseph. Look at verse 23. So it came to pass when Joseph had come to his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the tunic of many colors that was on him, Then they took him and cast him into a pit, and the pit was empty. There was no water in it. They didn't just take the tunic off of Joseph. They didn't just say, give it to us and take it off of him. They stripped him of it. They violently stripped him of that tunic. And then they threw him in the pit. And then it says that they sat down to eat a meal. You you can't sit if if you're anxious. and You can't sit and eat a meal if you're anxious. You can't sit and eat a meal if you feel guilty about what you just did. No feeling of guilt. No remorse. They hated Joseph and they did what they wanted to do. No emotional loss of appetite. And they're sitting there eating a meal as if it was just any other day. And then just by chance, just like the random man again, now just by chance where they sat down to eat this meal, they're sitting along a major trade route. Think about it. What a coincidence. Nothing is by chance. God plans everything. Everything is under his sovereign control. And we read about his people in Romans 8.28 that all things work together for good for those who love God to those who are the called according to his purpose. The good and the bad all work for God's people's good. So while they're, they were sitting there having their meal, two groups of traders passed by them. Midianite traders passed by, it says, and then there's these Ishmaelite traders on their way to Egypt. They also passed by. Then Judah said to his brothers, what profit is there if we kill our brother and conceal his blood? Come and let us sell him to the Ishmaelites and let us and let not our hand be upon him, for he is our brother and our flesh. And his brothers listened. So Judah agreed with Reuben in not killing the brother, but we can't really say that He agreed with them in the same way. All he did was he saw that there was a prophet in selling the brother. Then he says, let's not kill him for he is our our brother and our flesh. He's kind of reasoning this out. But all he did was trade one sin for another sin. Sin of killing the brother for the sin of making money off of the brother. And they sold Joseph to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. And they took him to Egypt. Then it says that Reuben returned there in verse 29. And Reuben returned to the pit and Joseph wasn't in it. So he tore his clothes and went complaining to his brothers. But he was also guilty. Maybe not as guilty. But he was also guilty. He knew the danger that his brother was in. He knew the danger 
It wasn't just that they hated him. This was the time when his brother needed Reuben to be there right by his side. But he left out of fear of man, out of not wanting to deal with his brothers. He knew he was he was losing in that situation. And he left rather than doing what was right. And they abused Joseph. And, and now Joseph is gone. They got rid of him. Then the brothers took a kid of the goats and dipped Joseph's tunic in it. And then they took it to, the, to their father and they made it look like an animal killed Joseph. And then look there in verse 32. Look how they asked their father about this tunic, this bloody tunic. To look, they wanted him to look at it. There in verse 32. Do you know whether this is your son's tunic or not? They didn't even call him their brother. They didn't want to identify with Joseph as being one of them. They wanted nothing to do with Joseph. Tell us, is this your son's tunic? And it could also have been a, a sarcastic way to respond because the father always made Joseph look like he was the son and then the rest were also the sons. Is this your son's tunic? And they saw that their father believed that the one that he loved was dead. And they knew he was alive. And they allowed their father to go through the emotional trauma that he went through and losing his son and thinking he would never see him again and thinking not just losing him, but losing him in this way, such a horrible way. And they did nothing to say the truth. They did nothing to do what was right. And in their hypocrisy, they, they're trying to comfort their father when they knew it was all that it was all what they did. No love there. No care for their father. It says, but Jacob refused to be comforted. And he said, for I shall go down into the grave to my son in mourning. And Jacob wept for him. So this was a tragedy. This was a tragedy. And we know that tragedies come upon people. But we also know that God works his providence, not just in the good, but also in our tragedies. And the good and the bad, God is providentially working in his people. That, that, that is why it's so important that we are his. Because we all face tragedy. But if, if we're his, we know that God cares for us. We know that God is good. We know that God is completely in control. God is not at anyone's mercy. We are all the time. But God is not at anyone's mercy and he cares about us. So this helps when we go through tragedies. This was a tragedy. But because God works all things together for good for his people, Joseph went to look for his brothers in Shechem wearing that silly coat. And the man without a name who knew everything about his brothers knew where they were and he, he led Joseph to Dothan. And they ate lunch up along that trade route. And Reuben left and the Ishmaelites passed by. And Judah wanted to make some money. Look at verse 36. Now the Midianites had sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, an officer of Pharaoh and captain of the guard. And now Joseph has become a slave in Egypt. All because of God's providence. And we know that we're going to see more tragedy in Joseph's life before he gets to save his family from the famine and preserve the family line that our Lord and Savior was going to come through that was promised. And also his 
brother, brothers and his father would bow down to him like the dreams said. But there's so much here in this chapter that reminds me of Jesus Christ and the gospel. So much of what happened to Joseph, of what Joseph went through, that is similar to what happened to Christ and what Christ went through. Joseph was sent by his father to look for his brothers. And how did Joseph respond to his father, saying, Here I am, obediently? Jesus was sent by his father, first to look for Israel, first to Israel, and then to the world. And Jesus showed perfect obedience, saying, I always do the things that please him, that please his father. Joseph was hated by his brothers. And Jesus was hated, we could say, by his Jewish brothers, by the Jews. But they hated Joseph because of Jacob's favoritism and because of their own sin. But about Jesus, he says that they hated me without a cause. Joseph's life looked blameless, but we know that he still had sin. But Jesus was without sin. He was blameless in every way. Joseph's brothers envied him. We read in Matthew chapter 27 and verse 18 that they envied Jesus. It says that Pilate knew that they had handed Jesus over because of envy. Joseph was surrounded by his brothers, stripped of his tunic, thrown, th- thrown into the pit, very, very hated, very abused at that time. We can think Simeon and Levi were there, the murderers. They had tasted murder. And not just tasted murder, kind of like a serial killer has tasted murder just repeatedly. They knew what it it was like to murder. And they hated their brother. It would have been nothing to them to have done that. But they didn't. They they showed restraint because of of what what, um, Reuben and now Judah was, was saying. There was some level of conscience there. But he was surrounded by them, thrown into the pit, abused by them. And about Jesus we read, Many bulls have surrounded me. Strong bulls of Bashan have encircled me. They gape at me with their mouths like a raging and roaring lion. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. And about Jesus, the scriptures say, They divided my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. There was no more tunic for Joseph. And Jesus was... Jesus' tunic was taken from him when he was crucified. Again, all of this reminding us of our Savior, reminding us of Christ, all this that happened to Joseph. Joseph was sold for 20 shekels of silver. Jesus was sold for 30 pieces of silver. It was Judas, or it was Judas' idea that they should sell Joseph. Judah is the one that came up with that idea. And Judas Iscariot, Judas is the Greek form of the Hebrew Judah. Judas Iscariot, so Jesus. And this chapter ends with Joseph having been made a slave. And Jesus made himself a slave for us. And I think about the gospel also. When we, we read that Joseph would have been killed, but instead a young goat was killed. And the blood was used, the blood of that goat was used, his garment was dipped in the blood. Joseph was spared. 
The goat's blood was shed instead of Joseph's. Joseph was spared like Isaac was spared. A goat for Joseph and a ram for Isaac. And the blood of these animals was a physical reminder to us, knowing the gospel, knowing the full canon of scripture today. It's a physical reminder to us of the spiritual need that we all have. The spiritual need of Joseph, the spiritual need of Isaac, the spiritual need of you and of me. Blood is required because our sin has condemned us. The scriptures say that without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. You are still in your sin if there is no blood shed for you. And you'll keep your sin if you want to. But that is the worst decision that you'll ever make. And that is the worst decision that you have been making. Scriptures say, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Jesus suffered on the cross so that we wouldn't have to perish in our sin. Final verse as we close is in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 verse 21. For he made him who sin, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Let's pray.